Alright people, let's see if we's live. Yes, salam. Alright, so I take it, I think we're live. In alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-mustafa wa ala ibadihi al-ladhin artada wa man bihudahum ihtada wa bi-athari ahli al-madina taqtafa wa ba'd Assalamualaikum alaikum ahlan wa sahlan bikum wa marhaban Juaning Light bienvenidos a todos bakhair ragle khushamadid people and always swagatam swagatam right so what's going on what's bothering the awesome folk of social media of facebook que pasa mi gente Orale, orale, people, orale, what's going on? Wasim, ahlan wa sahlan, Robin, ahlan wa sahlan, Sajida, Nick, all of you tuning in, marhaban bikum. I'll just wait for one, two people to tune in and then we'll get this show on the road. Ayub, al amin, al amin, oof, it's been probably years. Yes, Salam. How did you go astray and find yourself in my <laughs> company all of a sudden? Chalo hota hai, hota hai. Insan ko bhatakna bhi padta hai. You know, you have to, <laughs> you know, ma ma'na al-huda, lawla dalala. That's the thing. You've got to sometimes lose your way to appreciate. <laughs> Orale Mustafa, alright, que tal, what's going on? Right, so people, what is going on? I'm going to give one minute maybe to people tuning in. Those of you just tuning in on uh, YouTube, I've realigned the camera today, so hopefully there's a, you can... <sighs> We can focus. I can hypnotize you. <laughs> right. So uh, I'm not taking the questions on YouTube. Uh, I'm taking them on Facebook. So if you want to head over to Facebook and post questions, you can do. I will try to get through them. Um, there are some questions already there and there's a few topics that I'll be going through tonight. Why is the quality trash? Uh, I don't know. Has the quality dropped? I'm watching myself. I can't seem to see the quality. I don't know. the. Let me see if I can get any feedback from my team. Right, so... Um, but I mean, actually, what I can see is fine, the quality... <laughs> But kapata, you know, obviously, I'm in my own world most of the time. Fraudy Frobri said uh, he's been labeled a deviant. Alameen said quality is good for me. Quality is super cool. Shukran, shukran. Thank you for that feedback because I was going to have to get some of the, the team on it. And I couldn't understand because it, I can see myself. I can see myself in this screen and in this screen. And in both, I look as always. <laughs> Bandana <laughs> cheese, you know, I gotta do the humble, the, the desified, humble, you know, the most despised, 
the most impoverished. <laughs> you know, they got a, the, the most despicable, the most... <laughs> and you're like, all right, whoa, whoa calm down, mate. <laughs> uh, oh, somebody said, I meant compared to YouTube. Well, that's because Facebook has a restriction. It only allows you to stream in a certain capacity, whereas YouTube allows you to do full HD. So my super HD equipment over here is recording me. <laughs> Let's, what are we going to take a look at tonight? Allah, Allah, Allah. Well, there's going to be obviously your questions. Um, in addition to that, we'll be looking at, uh, I'll be discussing my feedback, my thoughts, my reflections on the dialogue I had with Haris Sultan uh, G from Australia. And I'll kind of share some reflections on it and the feedback. I'll also be looking at, there's been a, uh, a video released <laughs> of me, of course, <laughs> Why is it always these candles? Why nothing juicy? You know, these low level kind of scandals. I, I need something, you know, up there. <laughs> so there's been some clips, some extracts from my interview. Interviews, not an interview with my dial from my dialogue with Abdullah Gondal and some people. Uh, this five pillars, not some people, five pillars, five pillars. <laughs> They're like the ex I never had, <laughs> just besotted, obsessed. <laughs> Watch me so closely. Everything I do just to kind of pounce on anything that they feel that's 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 what five pillars are like. They're like an ex, the ex from hell that I never had. <laughs> just so I don't feel that, you know, my time on this dunya went unfulfilled, that I feel, yeah, I, I missed out. <laughs> I never had an, a, a venomous ex that... <laughs> Yeah, so they released this uh, these snippets of mine uh, where I'm discussing things like the afterlife and and they said toba toba. So I'm gonna I'm gonna come to that as well. Discuss that. I've been asked to comment on. There's a clip going around where Sheikh Yaqubi Sahib. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? All these people. <laughs> In the words of Ghalib, ham kaha ke yakta the. That what was it that, you know, did, was I so unique in some skill or was it something that, what did I possess? Nothing, Ghalib's trying to say. Yet, the whole world turned against me. Allah, Allah, Allah. The power of broadband people. <laughs> <laughs> you see, all I do is sit here and just use my, if I'm not streaming TV series, I use my broadband. 
share my thoughts and reflections and let these ripples go off and create a butterfly effect. So Sheikh Yaqubi uh, is in a video kind of condemning me um, about my uh, my description, or not description, but my comments regarding Imam Nawawi. So I've been asked that, look, you know, here is his eminence. <laughs> his eminence is discussing me. So <laughs> I can't say I'm the eminence. I'm the, the anti-eminence. The anti-eminence. <laughs> so what is my low, my scum, low-life kind of response to his eminence? Chalo. <laughs> We'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to that as well. Um, and then uh, we'll also have to discuss, um, we'll also have to discuss another, my long lost love. <laughs> Sheikh Asrar G has also resurfaced um, by, by uploading or people uploading a video of his titling it a refutation of Abu Layth. And so what is that all about to do with Bukhari? So I've been asked to comment on that as well. Wow, what's going on? You know, it's like people get a, a, a group of like hateful exes and I get this. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I mean, at least with your exes, there may be the occasional kind of like... Uh, <laughs> you know, under forgetful circumstances, there, there may be some, 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 uh, some compensation, shall we say? You can, but here, what do I get? Ah, oh, ya salam. This, so we suffer in this world, painfully, miserably, and in isolation. <laughs> right. So, what else is going on? What else is going on? So that's the. Uh, uh that's the the whole the trio that we'll be speaking about but till then <clears throat> let's first of all look at what is on your mind mi gente what is going on uh the weather first of all in the uk is just killing it <laughs> and not in a good way i don't actually like the the the, the kind of powerful heat i don't like that i just like it i like it bright i like a breeze i like it you know i don't like it dull but i don't like it just hot and stuffy and ah, i don't like that ah, okay and then some people watching this will probably say huh so what are you gonna do about hellfire then any hellfire is really hot any <laughs> <laughs> Looks like uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Right, what's going on? What's going on? Right, Hammer is in the house. Ahlum wasahlan, Hammer. Ahlum wasahlan. Marhaban bik. Right, so. Right, Billy boy, you're doing it, man. Billy's in the house, people. All right. So I'm just going to make sure uh, and try and bring up some questions that 
you guys have been you guys have been asking that have been bothering uh let me just switch the language here uh Okay, so uh, let's just go into this off one, off one. Samehuni, huh? Lo siento, mi gente, lo siento. Now I'm, I'm there. Right. So what is going on, people? Woof. Some questions. What do I think of? Somebody has asked me about cupping. Uh, is that a train sound? Wah! Falcon eyes and super sharp ears right there. It's not actually a train sound. It's a plane sound. Alright! Did you think I... Uh, I don't live in class. <laughs> I have my own private runway. <laughs> this... this See, this is what happens when you walk on the dark side and the Satan funds you. <laughs> See, people are like, I was watching this. Uh, somebody sent me a link to, I'm going to discuss it anyway, the, that my uh, my ex, <laughs> Farid, right? So from Sunni Wahhabi defense. So he had these clips and people were chatting about me. And this was on Twitter. They're saying the stuff, this deviant, deviant. And then somebody was saying, find out where he gets his money from. <laughs> Who funds him? Who funds him? <laughs> well, it's not your dad. <laughs> That's funding me. Mm, that's a shame. <laughs> Maybe if you ask Abuji, <laughs> can he kindly fund me? Right, so <laughs> I have businesses, my friends. I have businesses. So this is why I tell you people, be entrepreneurial, right? Be entrepreneurial, people. Always be enterprising. So, alhamdulillah, yep. So what, what else is going on? What else is going on? Somebody said, please explain uh, the hadith where the prophet split the moon. I have got a detailed... Uh, vi video clip on YouTube where I'm explaining that that the Prophet didn't actually split the moon but that's what it felt like to people okay so it felt like that and Ibn Ashur I actually go through the tafsir of Ibn Ashur the great Maliki legend of the 20th century who actually says says that and so I go through what he's saying and I read it out I translate it and I explain that he, he mentions, Ibn Ashur does, and he was the Shaykh al-Islam of the last century, and he was a Maliki Don, all right, and my indirect teacher, who I have a chain going back to of authorization through Shaykh Sidi Bu Khubza to Ibn Ashur. Now, Ibn Ashur mentions that this splitting of the moon 
was a phenomenon that people felt they experienced. So their experiences are validated, but it doesn't mean that the moon actually split. And he explains how you would have felt that, that they could have been, for example, he explains uh, that they could have been a partial eclipse. They could have been things like this. And hence he brings the riwayah of Ibn Abbas that it wasn't split, but kusif al-qamar, that it was actually uh, eclipsed. He brings that riwayah. Uh, he also mentions how the kind of the atmosphere can give that effect with the mountains uh, to make it look like uh, that the um, the moon was split. So that's what he mentions. And that that's uh, what I'm in line with as well. Obviously, people can believe whatever they want. <laughs> but I, I obviously go with the voice of reason. To me, faith is firmly built on reason. Because that way, you see, if you build your faith on reason, it may appear to be slightly weaker in some ways. It may appear, right? So that it slightly moves almost. And that may be unsettling for certain people because they may want something so solid, such a firm structure. But because reason allows some movement, it frightens people. Yet, such a forcibly solid structure cannot withstand an earthquake, people. So such structures dilapidate and collapse under structures, but under earthquakes. But you'll see earthquake-proof buildings that adjust, that allow for certain movements. This is why they actually last and it's a, it's a similar analogy, if you like. Analogy. <laughs> Come on. I'm giving analogies, you know. This one, you know. I, I, I too, you know, capable of analogies. Right. So, what else is going on? What else? Let's take some questions from here. What do you make of the hadith of cupping in Abu Dawood? Cupping is bloodletting. Okay just in case you're mixing it up with a different kind of cup. <laughs> you know, even if I say something innocent, it comes off as though it's scandalous. <laughs> Why? Por qué this one? This one not nice. You know, this one, this, this one too bad. <laughs> it gets me in a lot of trouble, you know, this one. So I'm saying here just cupping. Now, cupping is contrary to what people think. It isn't actually an Islamic practice at all. It was simply as Ibn Khuldun, the great legend and Maliki scholar, uh, mentions that cupping was simply of, it was just of the treatments of the age. It was something that Islam did not invent. The Arabs were already doing And it wasn't just Arabs. Many people were already partaking in this practice of cupping. Um, right? So that's why it was being practiced. So people did that. Um, you know, the companions would have done cupping, bloodletting. The Prophet ﷺ would have participated in bloodletting. But that's just being part and parcel of that society. It's like saying, would have he, for example, rode a camel? Of course he would have. Uh, would have he lived in a desert? Of course he did, because that's where he lived. 
sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So these things are not sacred per se. So living in Saudi Arabia is not a holy thing to do. Okay, it's not that because the Prophet lived in Saudi Arabia, let's all go live in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Although MBS is trying to accommodate uh, with his with the concerts he's trying to make it helpful you know this one <laughs> this one this one bringing Nicki Minaj you know this one <laughs> just to help recalibrate the Iman every now and then <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta like MBS I guess <laughs> so those of you who don't MBS is Mohammed bin Salman the crown prince anyway Staying on track. Uh, so these things, like saying, is it sunnah? Just because the Prophet rode a camel, should we all be riding camels? No, that's not how this works. Okay, so doing things that, that were just circumstance, uh, you know, just part of the circumstances where the Prophet was, is, uh, is nothing... Right, there's another pressing question here. So there's nothing that... There's nothing holy about cupping and today a lot of scientific research demonstrates that there's nothing cupping doesn't actually do anything as far as I'm aware. I was speaking to Dr. Imran who's um, on Facebook. Uh, he uh, runs the Metroflex gym and also uh, is involved. He's a doctor in medical research and lectures and has that. I mean, you can reach out to him on Facebook. Um, I think it might be called trans. Is it called transformation now? Or, but anyway, if you search uh, Imran Khan, Doctor Imran Khan, and Metroflex, it should come up. But you can reach out to Doc and ask him that he himself conducted several stu uh, studies where he, I think, he told me he sent off sixty something blood samples um, that were from bloodletting. So you know when the blood has all kind of it looks all toxic and and horrible. He sent that off and had it tested for any kind of excess toxins and it wasn't it came back negative it just came back with what you'd normally expect it was nothing it wasn't actually removing so many toxins from the from the body um yeah so there's no kind of conclusive findings and this is nothing so new to islam christianity was really big on bloodletting uh especially in the 17th century 16th century leading up to the 18th century and you can and there's an amazing discussion about this on uh, uh, on the bbc podcast in our time uh where it discusses religion and then discusses bloodletting an amazing discussion they've got so you can check that out if you like uh. Jennifer Lopez was invited to Morocco and performed a concert. She dressed a little too wild, but now she's banned. <laughs> oh, the tragedies of this Ummah. <laughs> I just keep getting video interrupted. Uh, Elizabeth, hang in there. I'm sure it'll clear up. I'm sure it'll clear up. Uh, right, what else? Uh, what else are some questions, people? Somebody had asked a question saying, can I do wudu whilst all... 
<laughs> this was a legit question. It's on the can I do wudu whilst all wet and in the shower? <laughs> are you are you trying to explain to me that you get all wet in the shower? Is that is that what we're <laughs> you know when we're in the shower taking a shower and we're all wet? <laughs> I like the way you you explained that part to me, like <laughs> like. I don't think he's going to get this one. I need to kind of break it down for him. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. Can you do wudu whilst taking a shower? Why, what else are you doing whilst taking a shower? <laughs> that is preventing you from doing wudu. <laughs> you, nati, nati, you. What, what, what do you think I'm talking about? I'm talking about just daydreaming. What? People, the corruption, you know, the corruption is in the, in the mind, you know, in the mind. So, right, opinions on apostate prophet. I, I think he's trying to flirt with you. <laughs> if that guy's trying to flirt, that's not the way to do it. Okay. <laughs> Why? Why me? You know, why me? Why me? Hmm. I'm not an object. <laughs> Can you imagine guys the day that guys start feeling like, you know, I'm not an object, not just an object. I, I have feelings, you know, I have, <laughs> I have a personality. <laughs> Ah, uh, said no guy ever. <laughs> Guys are just like, <laughs> bring it on, please, please. <laughs> right, so, <clears throat> think he meant uh, you are high with your own supply. Amy, orale, <laughs> is that what's going on? Right, nope, nope, nope. This is my default settings. I'm, you know, by default, I'm kind of high as a person. I don't know why, but God created me that way. Seriously, I, I'm kind of, uh, by default, a bit eccentric, should I say, at the least. What else? What are Shaib saying? What are your thoughts on doggies? Inna lillahi You, you, you You harami <laughs> Inna lillahi Behave, behave people This is Q&A Live and unrestricted though But it's Q&A Q&A Can we say music is haram now Through trajectory hermeneutics Music is haram Why would music be haram why would music be haram? Music was never haram to begin with. And to say it's haram through trajectory hermeneutics, but why? I actually do feel that, you know, you have the, the saying that music is the nourishment of the soul. And I feel that that's so true in many ways. The way music can touch the soul, very few things can do that. Uh, 
right, birds sing music. Absolutely, Amy, birds sing in nature. We find this right around us. You know, it's amazing that um, what music can do to an individual, it can bring people out of comas, as an example. Even if people are suffering from mental health, they've shown things like music can help maybe slow down that degeneration. It's amazing. I mean, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't assume it, but then you think in the past, even Muslims had these maristans, these kind of music therapy hospitals, which were in the Middle East. Obviously, today, the, the mullahs would go mad. Taliban would... <laughs> they would kind of wreak havoc. But in that day and age, the scholars and, and Islam and Muslims were much more enlightened. So... They had these music therapy hospitals, and I, th I think that's an amazing, amazing concept. Um, indeed, I think music really touches the soul. And there's different kinds of music, obviously. Not every kind is every person's cup of tea. But music, to ban music, it deprives human beings of a particular experience in life and i tell you it's not that you know these things like music they are to be celebrated i feel not made to feel guilty about like if you listen to some music you shouldn't be made to feel guilty for that that said i do agree that there's i mean this is my thoughts people may disagree with me that there's some kind of music that i would think is trash <laughs> I would think it's, uh, and I don't just mean here about taste, but I think maybe encourages a wrong kind of message and it does things like that. But that doesn't make it haram, but that, I guess it's a propriety issue. It does, it's something I wouldn't, you know, it's not the kind of music you would play around, let's say, and by music I mean songs here, so you wouldn't play them around children or play them, you know, maybe the kind of content, what they're talking about. But that doesn't make it haram. That just makes it a propriety issue that you, you do it in certain, you know, like if some people listen to it, that's their choice. But you wouldn't want it around children, just as you wouldn't want swearing around children. Like that's just a propriety issue. It's not that swearing in and of itself is necessarily haram. It's not haram. Swearing at somebody can be haram because that's causing harm. Harming somebody is haram but not swearing in and of itself it may not it's not an a, i'm not saying it's an encouraged thing but it wouldn't be haram it's like saying eating i don't know junk food you know it's not a good thing you wouldn't want to oh you know od on it you wouldn't necessarily want children growing up on it but it's not something haram okay uh all right, so what else is going on? Oh, right, yeah, are there, is there distraction noise about the planes or whatever? It may be because I've got the window open. Um, and sometimes, usually I try and it's closed, but it's quite warm. I was contemplating putting air conditioning. <laughs> but then I was like, we only get like two days a year that are hot. <laughs> Right, so what else is uh, 
Is it allowed to listen to music uh, with potentially shirk lyrics? Whoa, 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 whoa. Such as the kind of thing you would find in Bollywood songs. Inna lillah. Is he, call, is he calling Bollywood? Jack Baur, are you calling Bollywood shirk? Kufar. <laughs> of course it's okay to listen to music that's Bollywood or if it's even if it's praising uh, you see so there are certain songs in Bollywood I mean I don't mean they're not like bhajans or things like that are actually like hymns they're not like that but I think what what the person means is there's certain songs that will say, oh, I worship you in love and to me you come before God, for example. Uh, there's that famous song, uh, what is it? Tujh uh, Rab that I see God in you. To me, that isn't really shirki anyway, to be fair, because I think like if somebody reminds you of God uh, or in that person you see a manifestation of the divine at work. See, it's all to do with your understanding. You see. وَمِنْ هُنَا اِخْتَلَفَتِ الْأَفْهَامِ People, you know, <laughs> what can you do? It's in the words of, was it Mutanabbi, where he said, وَهَلْ عَلَيَّ إِلَّمْ تَفْحَمِ الْبَقَرُ He said, is it my fault if cows don't understand? <laughs> Uh, well, so that's so these things are fine. They're not haram to listen to. You don't need to freak out. It doesn't mean that after you heard it, you're going to start worshipping idols now. <laughs> and this is why I so love the poets of the past, especially the Urdu poets. I feel that the Urdu poets of the past were so secure in their faith that they could speak about these things openly without any fear of repercussions, without any fear of, of faith. Like they were just true to their faith. And I, such an admirable quality, honestly. I, I find it amazing. So uh, somebody said, too many uh, blind sheep on here listening to this guy. <laughs> Says somebody who's on here listening to me. <laughs> The irony, the irony, somebody comes on here, watches me, and then says that there's too many sheep on here watching this guy. <laughs> Are you referring to multiple personalities of yourself by any chance? <laughs> what else, people? What else? Rash is in the house. Ahlan wa sahlan. Somebody said, do I, would I, multiple wives? <laughs> the more the merrier. I, I don't even believe in a restriction on four. I, I, I'm with Imam Shokani. Me and Imam Shokani are like this. We're like, <laughs> we're like, hell yeah. We're kind of like, <laughs> just rocking it. Me and Imam Shokani. So, uh, Imam Shokani clearly argued that look, there was no restriction. No restriction, people. Man is born free. Yet everywhere he is in chains. Oh, what is this world? Ya Allah. 
تیرے آزاد بندوں کی نہ یہ دنیا نہ وہ دنیا از علامہ اقبال سیڈ ہی سیڈ او گاڈ یو ٹرولی انہیرن یو کریچرز دیز ہیومنس ہو آر انہیرنٹلی فری دے بلانگ نائدر ٹو دس ورلڈ نو ٹو دیٹ ورلڈ یہاں مرنے کی پابندی وہاں جینے کی پابندی ہیئر یو you're restricted it's inevitable that you die and there you're doomed to live forever you know either way you get no choice <laughs> that was a lamaik well this is why i love poetry and you know great imams like imam shafi'i stressed why it's important to acquaint yourself with poets and because these people will expand your horizons I'm telling you, the, the expansion that you'll get from poets. I would actually advise people today that if, you're, if you want to reattach with, let's say, with the faith and also the broader kind of, I don't know, like a cultural belonging, which many people do, I would say instead of mulvis, right, instead of these kind of mullahs, spend, invest your time reading or watching poets seriously i think you you will thank me in years to come <laughs> you'll say you know wow, that mufti maybe he said a lot of wacko things but on that thing he was on point because these people will give you something they are their thoughts you know and don't don't take them lightly these poets their thoughts are much more profound than most mulvis and the clergy most of the clergy combined Maybe. right it's live i was just waiting for it to the connection it was saying that the connection wasn't stable i don't know why that happened i'd complained to virgin media i had them boost up my entire thing had an engineer come around and so i was really i'm not expecting any kind of hiccups on that front so Right, I was going to tell you a line from John Elia, the legend. He says in this poem, people, wait there, for, for this I've got to pick up the other glass. My, my Sam Crow. All right, people. Well, that's what we're talking about. Men of mayhem. Sam Crow, sons of anarchy. Right, so he says to, to somebody he loves, I'm sure he had a few amorous kind of relationships, but as you do, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> Hail Mary, oh, <laughs> sorry, wrong religion, <laughs> right, so he says to this woman he loves he says kitni dilkash ho tum kitna dil jo hu main that how amazingly beautiful and attractive that you are wa kitna dil jo hu main and what a kind of enthusiast and a person full of life and energy that i am that i am and how 
beautiful you are kitni dilkash ho tum aur kitna diljuho main afsos ke hum log mar jayenge aaye he said what a tragedy that even we will eventually just die that i had it you know sometimes i'm telling you when you you've got to read this poetry people it, it pierces the heart it crushes the soul it's amazing you know sometimes you 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 see these words that people have said and the way they resonate and he has another very interesting line and i've always found this very trouble i mean in a it's it's almost like it's it's unsettlingly i uh overwhelming that he says uh, he says jani kya aaj meri barsi hai जानी क्या आज मेरी बरसी है यानी आज के दिन मर गया था मैं दैट इज सच एन अमेज ओ माय गॉड लाइक ही सेस इज बरसी इज लाइक एन एनिवर्सरी बट हियर इट्स लाइक अ डेथ एनिवर्सरी सो ही सेस माय लव इज टुडे माय डेथ एनिवर्सरी डज दैट मीन इट वाज ऑन दिस डेट दैट आई डाइड एंड दैट इज जस्ट सो wow like unsettlingly powerful to read anyway i i don't know i mean this is i share my thoughts with you some of you might be thinking yaar kya bakwas kar raha hai yaar <laughs> you might be thinking what nonsense is this guy chatting so right so see a job saying this guy will say eating pork is good for you Right well uh looks like some people are here and they're upset that I'm going to be responding to a few people so it's triggered and yet look at the the beauty is that they have to come and watch me <laughs> I love it honestly <laughs> I love it the power you know it's like damned if you do and damned if you don't you know if they don't watch me they they what did he say ah <laughs> uh, as i said once before that you can love me or you can hate me but you can't ignore me ah uh, Murat is asking an interesting question is the bible corrupted if not then why is the quran more authoritative I think the the point here is that it's not I don't feel this is me I don't feel that the the previous scriptures were necessarily revealed in the same way as the quran so the quran is a quran it is something for recitation quran means recitation quranan arabiyan that inna anzalnahu quranan arabiyan that it is a quran a recitation that you will read the other books were not a recitation 
And I feel that the Gospels were simply just a good news. That's all they were. They weren't scripture in the sense. I mean, they, they were being articulated by Jesus. But I don't feel that it was. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think it was something that he was trying to give them that would be a recitation for them. It was just a message that he was giving them of good news called the gospel, the, the good news. That's what it is. And the Old Testament, um, in a similar way, the Old Testament is a, um, you know, it's a collection of many books, which I feel many of them may have been kind of like inspirations that were put forward by people. So, yeah, so I, I, dis I, I think there's an essential to do with the essence the ontological, like to do with the actual reality of the texts, there is an ontological difference between these scriptures. They are not of the same kind. They are not like for like. That's what I feel. Uh, and I think some people, uh, because they, they're assuming that these prior scriptures were like for like, and then they got corrupted. That's not the case. I think what got corrupted was... And by corrupted, I think it, it meant it got slightly confused, was the overall message, not, um, or parts of the overall message. Okay. Um, you should consider writing a book. I should. Well, shukran, muchas gracias, Amy. Shukran for that. Believe me, these people are misguiding. It's just getting blind followers, says uh, Sia who's still watching me. <laughs> Even your haters will flock to you. Allah, Allah. <laughs> what is it, huh? What is this magnetism? <laughs> milky milk, milky milk is asking about physical intimacy outside of marriage. People, we have a deviant in our midst. We have an impure pervert. <laughs> you see, now, look, let's be real, people. Let's be real. Institutionalized religion is not going to provide a solution to these problems. We have a huge problem of uh, not just we, humanity <laughs> in the 21st century has a huge problem to do with relationships. Huge problem. Um, and Muslims, especially in the West, who are part and parcel of that world, are equally stuck and in some ways worse off. Because we're constrained with the problems of the age, which everybody has, but then we're also constrained with the element of uh, culture. And then also, uh, you know, twist, not twisted, but tainted religion that is tainted. And so we, we're getting it from all angles. <laughs> <laughs> and not in a good way. So the, <laughs> the thing is that this is, so 
you have to feel for Muslims that you know people are suffering, and then when they do partake in certain things, they the the immense guilt uh, adds to the psychological pressure. I think it's it's a very difficult time. It's an amazing time to be alive, but at the same time, it's difficult. You know, the irony of the age is it's an amazing time to be alive for the most complex of matters. And yet for the simplest of matters that have been coming since time immemorial like relationships, it's one of the most difficult times to be alive. Because these things which in the past were so simple today appear incredibly complex and paradoxical in nature. That things like relationships, because there is an endless stream of choice, we are inundated with um, so many people, we constantly will question our own choice. We measure, human beings measure their happiness by, by contrasting it against others. And others will always seem much more happier in a world of social media. So this adds to the, the kind of depressive state that we're going through as, a, as, as humanity, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel that this really, and I highlighted previously a kind of study where you, uh, I mean, and there's many other studies, but this was just one that I highlighted in psychology where people were given a simple choice of a kind, just, just some kind of uh, sweets and chocolates and things that they uh, would, would like. And they were given a brief choice of something like, I think only a dozen items and they just had to choose one and that they would like. And then later they just had to rate how satisfied they were with having chosen that or do they regret and wish they'd chosen something else. And people felt the overwhelming majority, over 80%, felt very content with what they'd chosen. They were really glad, oh yeah, I had that dessert or that chocolate or that, it was really good. Um, and then a similar counter group that were given a hundred products to choose from and only chose one with the overwhelming majority of them then feeling dissatisfied, discontent with their choices and regretful that, I mean, I know here it's not a big deal, but still an element of regret that I, you know, I should have chosen something else. Because what happens is we are drowned by a myriad, a, an, an infinite nature of choice. It paralyzes us. We are paralyzed by choice. And then we live with regret. So when you're on social media, when you, when a person in this day and age with relationships, so, so they see, so let's say somebody sees a beautiful girl and they think, wow, wow, he's mesmerized with this girl and he thinks she's totally stunning and beautiful and attractive and, and which let's, she is. So he's, now he pursues a relationship, they pursue a relationship and they hit it off and you know, they're in a relationship, they get married or whatever. Now, but then like her, there are thousands of other beautiful, stunning women, let's say, on social media, mm -hmm. as an example. Now this person is equally seeing them on social media. And this level of exposure, and it's an, although one may question, 
is it really a choice? I mean, how much freedom does he have in truly establishing a relationship with all of these women? Uh, but still there's a perception, a deceptive perception of choice. There's an illusion of choice. That illusion of choice creates an element of discontent within the person's heart because he feels like I've lost out. And likewise, this, this isn't restricted to, I'm just giving the example from a man's perspective, equally to a woman. I mean, this is not gender specific. So people are struggling. And then there's this constant thing of uh, trying to, you know, show, compete against others and this this pursuit of, this, this high octane pursuit of happiness is very difficult to keep to keep up with so yeah right so i just thought I'd, I'd say some of that right so what else is uh somebody uh called imam hussein allahu akbar <laughs> i couldn't you know you couldn't make this up somebody called imam hussein allahu akbar is on here saying this guy's a clown <laughs> I mean, if, if you are going to troll people, at least don't use the title name of Imam Hussein. I mean, for God's sake, what kind of, I mean, how much more disrespectful could you be to Imam Hussein? And then following it with Allahu Akbar. <laughs> These are the trolls of this day and age, people, the trolls. Yes, so the, by the way, in case people were asking, I do feel that they, that in the Sunni discourse, people ought to uh, promote or at least legitimize uh, things like muta'a, because really it's, you know, many Sunnis like Ibn Ashur and many other people did not believe it was haram. Um, and at least that's a solution to this relationship problem. Okay. But that's some thoughts and people, the problem with that is the moment you say, uh, you know, muta'a, people say, ah, oh, so you must be a Shia. <laughs> oh, yeah, a genius. <laughs> it's on Colombo. <laughs> well, it's like that slow clap. Right, anyway, so what else is going on, people? What else is going on? Right, shall we uh, take to... There's a lot of trolls on tonight, ain't they? I wonder who sent them. <laughs> what is the punishment for a person who had memorized the Qur'an and then later in life ended up forgetting it? Uh, there's no punishment for people like that. These things, these hadith are not sahih, but these are just overall messages that people, these are like weak hadith anyway. But um, this message was simply a method of getting people to, of kind of motivating, <laughs> incentivizing people to, um, to commit the Qur'an to memory, to invest their time in the Qur'an. Uh, so you will get many... Um, um, you know, many people uh, from the Salaf who 
later in life admitted that they fabricated many hadith. So, for example, most hadith to do with the virtues of the Quran are actually weak or fabricated. And the reason being is that in early Islam, a lot of people, uh, you know, you get many narrators, Ruh ibn Abi Maryam, other people, you'll get, you'll get several kind of narrators who will uh, later admit to having fabricated hadith. They will say we fabricate, we just made them up. Hadith to do with the virtues of the Quran. Uh, why? Because we felt people were going away from the Quran. So to them, that was, they were doing a kind of, ironically, they felt they were doing a service to the deen. And they said, we weren't lying. Uh, we weren't lying against the Prophet. We were lying for him. <laughs> this is actually what they said in the books. If you read it, they said, we don't, <laughs> They go, we didn't lie against him. We lied on his behalf. <laughs> Iowa religion. <laughs> what people will do in the name of religion sometimes is amazing. It's amazing. Um, somebody said, the beard of a woman, lol. Right, I've got no idea what that means. Uh, is he talking about my beard? Seriously, is this the beard of uh, of the women folk around you? I, I feel sorry for those women if they all sit around with goatees and a tash out like that. <laughs> well, what is your take, Elizabeth is asking, on people speaking in tongues? I witnessed it a lot and talked about it a lot. Never saw it in the Muslim country. Uh, you see, this speaking in tongues phenomenon, I I just feel it's a kind of trance-like state that is induced and people uh, do these things because a narrative exists. So speaking in tongues, there is a narrative within the Christian community uh, to do things like that. So hence the, the phenomenon uh, plays out. I mean, to do that in a culture or a surrounding that does not have that narrative wouldn't make any sense. Uh, just as in the Muslim culture, you have this thing of being possessed and somebody's done magic on me or black magic or uh, evil eye. And, and then people act out in accordance with the narrative, the overarching kind of narrative. Um, so in a similar way, that's what it is in my understanding. These are simply uh, psychologically induced phenomena that don't have a, a true reality in that sense all right admin are ready it says locked loaded and ready to block amen <laughs> amen to that right so tongues is he a christian is based in just a later fabrication sure 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 i mean the christian christendom uh, I'm sure has its problems, uh, just as many things do. <laughs> All right, the admin are now awake, people. So we're going to get some blocking. Uh, right. Also, before I forget, uh, Muslim Millennials is an awesome project. There's a final push to kind of uh, support it. Uh, that's all kinds of support, your moral support, your actual support in sharing their, their work, but also currently they are 
doing a fundraiser to sustain their project for, I believe, another year or so. But you can find it on the Muslim Millennial uh, page. Have a read of it. Check it out. I have shared it. These are young Muslims who are trying to identify with religion uh, as it feels w w with a sense of real feel which young people can actually relate to. The problem is today, you know, this, the, the deen of the mullahs, the kind of the reign of the mullahs is kind of over. And that kind of weird, hard hitting, uh, very uh, cultural folklore religion from back home uh, with many insecurities and inferiority complexes and desires to rule the world and that kind of... That is, you know, it's it's it, it it's crumbling in the east. In the west, it has no chance, no chance at all. With the younger generation, I tell you that they will either, many of them will either just abandon the deen, if forced to take on a an ideology like that. So the, pe people like Muslim millennials or these young. Um, these young kind of efforts and they've done some podcasts and interviews and the, these young guys, I, I like what they're doing. You know, the, you get um, and some of them, many of them are my friends, the, this particular project and students and they have this um, this this podcast as Baraka Boys. And I, I think it's amazing what they're doing. Khalid Siddiq, uh, the whole Omar and um, there's Mustafa Briggs and this whole thing. I feel that Momo is obviously with them as well. Uh, Abu Muawiyah, this whole thing. I think that, you know, just having the courage to actually just speak with what they're feeling, but and not, not having to run away and abandon the religion because, you know, the, the clergy are not happy with that. So nobody owns this thing. So we, we, it is for us. Okay, so that's some words for that people. Uh, is selling uh, drugs haram? Um, yes, of course. I mean, I, I'm very against this, um, this crime culture, this drug dealing culture. It's brought nothing. These things have brought, brought nothing but tragedy to the Muslim communities. They've brought a, a terrible name to Muslims. It's amazing how Muslim parents turn a blind eye quite easily to the culture of drug dealing. Uh, they wouldn't, they don't turn it that easily to other things, but they will, you know, very easily just say, "Oh well, you know, ah, no, 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 my son, <laughs> no, my son, I'm sure he's doing some kind of uh, telesales job." That's why he's driving a Lamborghini. <laughs> acha, 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 acha. Is that how it works? <laughs> he's just an, this one, just admin, you know. He, but he got supercars, you know. He got three supercars now. Mashallah, very hardworking, my son. <laughs> uh, but it's it's a shame, really. You know, the addiction that the people on the other end. The tragedies in their lives. May Allah make things easy for them. But yeah, so... Mm. 
do you have to return what you stole in Islam or is asking for forgiveness okay? Lewis Johnson. <laughs> Lewis Johnson, rather odd, you know, on a Muslim fiqh Q&A. <laughs> Good day, Johnson. <laughs> well, rather, <laughs> if one, one has been caught, one has conducted uh, actions of theft in the past. <laughs> Are we referring to colonialism here? <laughs> Are you talking about the Kohinoor, <laughs> the diamond from India? Can you please return it? Return it to me. <laughs> It's rightful ear right here. So, oh, well, you see, returning things that are stolen, that's an interesting one. I would say that you have to kind of play it by ear, that you have to kind of uh, assess the situation at hand. You see, sometimes that may be very the, the, the great and amazing thing to do, um, incredibly noble, admirable and um and utterly ethical that that would be the thing to do in many circumstances but in some circumstances it may be the wrong thing to do because it may trigger a greater tragedy <laughs> you know uh, so it may cause a series of problems that are much greater i mean it may you know it's like if somebody says well i had an affair with this woman for example now I've gone all straight. Should I go and own up? <laughs> and every sane person would be like, <laughs> right? So, so sometimes some things will cause greater harm and tragedy than other things. So one is that the theft has been done. Now, how can you make amends? If it is something in which you can return the thing, I think that is ideal and optimum. But if you feel that it's going to create much more harm and it's going to, I don't know, trigger a series of unfortunate events, then that would not be the best thing to do. And But, you know, maybe, maybe you can make amends in some other ways, but this is all situation-based. <laughs> For that, please refer to my consultancy which has an hourly billing rate. <laughs> uh, right, so... Mufti, many atheists say the Qur'an is wrong in that they say Imran salam, is both father of Musa and Maryam. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, the... You know this thing that, yeah, Ukhta Harun, th this is not, uh, oh, right, sorry, about uh, Imran alayhi salam, or ab about Maryam alayhi salam. What I'll do is I'll go through that in an entirely separate uh, kind of discussion, okay. Is Japanese in Marvel, yes, is it haram to have eyebrows longer than, look at that. Ah, look, we are propriety people. Uh, right, okay, blocked. Just rude. I mean, there's other people on here, you know, just being... Uh, I mean, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> You're not insulting me, per se. You're just acting like an idiot. And 
Right. So, all right. Let's have a let's move on to this. Uh, some thoughts and reflections on my dialogue with Haris Sultan. Okay. Those of you that haven't seen that. Uh, all right. This is going to. I'm just trying to remove. The, all right. Excellent. You know, when you get a message that just blocks part of the view. Right. So I had a. Uh, um, a very enjoyable dialogue with uh, Haris Sultan, who's a world-renowned ex-Muslim. He's from Pakistan originally, and I think for several years, at least, I'm pretty sure, maybe a decade and a half, uh, he's he's uh, residing in Australia. So he's been very vocal on these issues. He has a book, um, The Curse of God, and he's made a lot of YouTube videos on mistakes in Islam, why Islam is nonsensical, and why and and he's had a is and he's had a lot of traction as well, and so a lot of people are influenced by him, and he's offered out to have a dialogue with many Muslims, many theists, uh, who I think most of them have refused generally. So he'd reached out to me, and I. I thought it was a wonderful opportunity to kind of like connect and chat. And he did say that he wanted it in Urdu because that particular channel of his called Pakistani Mulhid, a Pakistani atheist, is an Urdu channel. And that's the so it's dedicated to a particular uh, like the subcontinent. OK, the Indian subcontinent, India, Pakistan, things like that. And so it's in the primary focus. The medium is Urdu. So I said, yeah, sure, no problem. Although I haven't generally, I mean, I do speak Urdu, but um, I don't spend hours on end in a dialogical, in a very technical dialogue, uh, usually in Urdu. I mean, I speak in Urdu at home and things like that. And obviously I love Urdu, but it, it was actually, so I did think to myself before embarking on the dialogue that would I be, able to truly express myself because that's what i want to do and w would i would would there be a hindrance um but alhamdulillah i didn't really feel there was any hindrance and i thought it was amazing and we, we spoke for so long i i didn't even realize the time it went on for over four hours <laughs> it is on youtube you can watch it if you'd like to um i my reflections on it i'm really glad that we had this dialogue i um, I've had, just as with Abdullah Gondal, I had a dialogue with him just on about two weeks ago. That was in English. That's on YouTube as well. Now, I feel that some people have kind of said to me, oh, they've got back to me. And some people have tried to say that, you know, oh, you should be weary of these people. They are snakes and these people are like, uh, you know, they're hateful and they hate Islam and they're bigots and so on and so forth. And, um, I, I feel that I, I disagree. I disagree. Um, I have um, certain amount, I have respect for these people. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that I have to respect everything they say. Okay. Just as I wouldn't expect them to respect. I mean, they may tolerate things I say, but... Uh, I don't expect them to respect everything I say, but as a person, 
they can respect me and I can respect them. And that is the purpose of dialogue. See, what is this world, people, if we can't even sit down and talk to each other? If I feel that just because you don't believe in my God, I can't even talk to you. I can't even have a dialogue with you. I'm so scared. <laughs> I mean, what kind of a world are we living in? What kind of a faith am I upholding? If that's how weak my faith is, that I, I am too intimidated to kind of engage in an individual who has left Islam and lest he should trip me up or bring out faults about Islam. And, and look, the conversation was a very transparent one. I knew that, look, there's going to be an exchange of ideas. There's going to be questions from both sides and there will be responses. I, I, I did feel, and he did, and I expected uh, Haris Sultan, for example, in this dialogue, to question me on certain things that he felt were mistakes in the Qur'an. I did expect that. I mean, that was something I, I thought he was going to do. Um, and that's fine. I'm glad he did. Because, look, when he speaks, like, let's say Haris Sultan, now he's going to do a video saying there's mistakes in the Qur'an, which I'm sure he's got several of. Now, many Muslims may watch this and feel that, damn, if only, you know, like a Muslim could, could speak to him and see are these actual mistakes. Now, the problem is Muslim scholars, most of them are too intimidated to speak to these people. They feel that, oh, if I speak to them, oh, I've got to either hammer them, <laughs> kill the apostate, or I've got to, you know, I can't come out like looking like, oh, he got me and I can't, I don't know. And they're just too insecure, too, you know, they're, they're too worried about what their crowd will say. See, to me, it's not like that. To me, it's like, well, let's have a chat. It's fine. I mean, I don't know what you're going to. Haris Sultan did not tell me anything that he was going to discuss with me. Neither did Abdullah Gundar. We had no idea. I just said that it's, it's going to be a free flow conversation. That's all I said. Okay. Um, and that's all we did. So he, could, he threw anything. I mean, I also questioned him on certain aspects. I mean, he didn't know what I was going to do, but that's the nature of a human dialogue. It is so good to just talk to people just to understand what's going on in their mind to, to see what is it that's, bothering what is it that's puzzling this person you'll find that many people are very sincere as well in their own search that these people you know these atheists they actually think about religion they're not people who uh, are you know some of them may have become a bit bitter and venomous and vile some of them may have but that's also because of the reaction from the Muslims, like, look at me, like, I'm here now, um, I'm a Muslim, I'm a qualified scholar in Islam, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm a Mufti, somebody who studied Islam for so many years, you know, I've studied Islam, I've been studying it now as a continuous journey for at least two, over two decades. It was 1997 when I began studying Islam. Now, I, I have in that time memorized the Qur'an. I have gained an unbroken chain of transmission going back to the Prophet in the Qur'an. 
I have studied the major books of the major sciences of Islam, at least from either an intermediate or to an advanced level. I have studied in secular universities, religion. I have uh, completed the major books of Hadith from cover to cover, like Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawood, Tarmidhi, and gained an authorization. I'm authorized to teach them. I've graduated as somebody, as a mufti who can formulate his own opinions within Islam. I'm, I'm empowered by the Sharia to do that. Yet, I will have people come on here, and the reason I'm saying this, I will have people come on here and tear into me, Muslims, with the names like titles like Imam Hussein Allahu Akbar, like that troll that just came on here with that title, and then just trolling me and hating on me. I'll have somebody coming on here using abusive language at me, Muslims, people who probably pray five times a day. Yet, just because I appear different in views to them, and I am probably so much more, I don't, I don't say this arrogantly, I say this objectively, learned in Islam than they are. Like they probably wouldn't even be able to understand one verse of the Qur'an in its reality. Like as in explain which part is the verb, which part is what, they don't understand. Not even one verse of the Qur'an. Yet, they, they would find it absolutely fine to come on here and mock me. As a scholar, what, what do you think, how do you think they treat ex-Muslims? How do you think they uh, react to them? They react to them with great venom, with such bitterness. They abuse them, they threaten them, they, you know, like they'll, they'll insult their families, they'll swear at their families, at their wives, they'll threaten to rape their wives, they'll... I mean, this is being said by more like people with beards and praying and that this is the state. And then they are surprised that these people hate Islam. See, why would they not hate Islam? Because you guys have forced them to hate Islam. So I'm, I have, look, all human beings does not matter what you believe in. You can be a, a Christian, a Hindu, a Sikh, a Muslim, a Jew. You can be an atheist. You can be an ex-Muslim. You can be an agnostic. I will have respect for you always as a human being. And then your actions can determine other things. But so a dialogue is something I believe is imperative in our age. So that was a very, um, I thought it was a very enjoyable dialogue. We discussed many things. He did mention to me certain verses, the embryology verses. I did go over them. I said, I don't feel that there's any mistake in the embryological verses. Uh, he did, I mean, we discussed that at some length, actually. I mentioned that the embryological verses, Allah begins them by mentioning, in kuntum fi raybim min al-ba'thi, if you doubt the afterlife then we created you from soil. We created you from soil, then a drop of fluid. Now, what's interesting is that I said that nobody takes we created you from soil to be literal. 
So if you don't take the beginning and the whole objective of the verse to be literal, why are you so hooked up on everything else must be so literal and not just an overview? Because the verse doesn't even begin like that. Nobody reading that verse actually believes that they themselves physically were soil. So that was my first point. The second point was that, you see, the, where is the mistake in this verse? Because uh, Harris had mentioned that uh, he felt that the Allah says that um, about the uh, mudra, then when the mudra becomes bone, uh, what is it? Uh, then we covered the bones in flesh um, or we kind of placed the, the, the flesh on the bones and things like this um, like as in meat we placed the meat on the, the, the muscles and things like this now I did mention to him but you are aware because he said that the mistake in embryology is these things are produced simultaneously and are produced much later so I did say to him but you are aware that things like cartilage are produced very early um, in in the development of a fetus, so so he wasn't aware of, or maybe it appeared he wasn't aware, or he said, well, that's I'm not so sure. Cartilage is too soft to be bone, and uh, maybe then God should have said soft bone. But that, so this wasn't, but it was a good discussion to explain that. That look, I don't feel that I accept that that could be your interpretation, but I don't feel that's a that's clear enough to call it a mistake. Like, you know, that is how things are. Now, you could say, well, no, I'd like to call it like this. I'd like to call it like that. But the verse was actually speaking about a continuity after death. That if you are so shocked about the continuity after death, then what do you think insan came from? And I mentioned that because I know Haris Sultan does bring up a lot. The verse to do with... Um, and it that it comes out from between the ribs and the spine from uh, the ribs and the spine uh, and he says and they say well sperm doesn't come from there i did mention that look if you look at this verse that insan should look at what he was created from he was created from this 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 kind of liquid this يَخْرُجُ coming out who is what is the pronoun going back to يَخْرُجُ does it go back to the fluid or does it go back to insan here many scholars like including Ibn Atiyah the great Andalusi Mufassir from you know around the 6th century uh, Hijri he had written in his tafsir this was very clearly refer this refers to insan that insan is coming out from between these bones now and i explained that why is that important for insan to be coming out from between these bones what, what, what's so special about that that's because the arabs um the arabs they they weren't giving significance to bones and in surah yasin they were questioning they were saying, so in, you have in other verses of the Quran, that who will bring these bones back to life? If you are in doubt of a continuity after life, then look what we created you from. 
a fluid that then develops into a, this lump that then has these little bones and then bec and then he comes out from between these bones that you say who will bring uh, these bones back to life and from between these this structure of bones this skeletal structure emerges insan and Allah says and what is this insan he in some ways is so he becomes something else. We made this into something else. This creature became something incredible. He then went on to give an example, to give parallels onto us and forgot his own creation. That he emerged from something that that he himself would despise that he'd be so shocked from between a skeletal a bone structure this creature emerges that becomes something becomes something amazing and i think that in that lies what i would believe is the true miracle the miracle of human beings and so these things, so that was part of the kind of discussion. There were many other things discussed, but I thoroughly, my feeling was I really enjoyed it. And I think there needs to be much more of these kind of dialogues. Okay. Right. Okay. Let's move on to some of these things, people. <laughs> what is, what is going on? Right. Let's take. <laughs> Let's take controversy one by one. Ek ek karke Make a line. Time to pick a number and get in line. This. Uh... <laughs> so five pillars. Five pillars. Um, mashallah. <laughs> this one, Muslim, <laughs> Muslim journalism. You know, <laughs> Muslim journalism. This guy. You know, this Dili, whoever, this, this and these five pillars, they are so obsessed with me. And it's amazing because they, um, they claim to be an international Muslim organization that is covering global events affecting this Muslim Ummah. And yet they are, they are covering me. <laughs> So I'm loving it. This is, uh, wow. Because, you know, at the end of the day, no press is bad press, people. Because when they, look, whoever they reach out to is not usually my crowd, okay? So whoever they reach out to, there will definitely be at least a 5 to 10% margin that will, will go away, watch me, and think, actually, this guy's making sense. <laughs> and then there were none. Allah, Allah, Allah. So this is, so I'm in many ways kind of indebted to these people for continuously and persistently and consistently being obsessed with me because it's great effort, man. It's, it's hard work, I gotta say. But they, they show true istiqama. Anything they can find on me, they will publish. 
<laughs> uh, publish is a, a, a grand word for them, but they will just make some <laughs> online little article. Um, so today I saw one that was sent that, oh, Mufti doesn't believe in the afterlife. He says it's symbolic. I've got many video clips uh, which are on YouTube where I'm already tackling this issue. And what they've got is an extract of mine from uh, my discussion with Abdullah Gondal where I'm speaking of the afterlife. And I've said that the imagery in the Quran is, in my understanding, symbolic. Now, you don't need to agree with that. I have not asked you to agree with that. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. If I ask you to agree with me, then that would just be dogma. But you see, to me, that's my reading of the Quran. We know Allah when he... And people may say, how... First of all, what is symbolism? Like, let's say, if I asked you to represent the concept of freedom, how would you do it? One example is you could have, let's say, here, here's, a, here's an image. Let's say a, a beautiful white horse running fast along. I mean, it's running along. This often is an, a kind of uh, a, 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 a picturesque scene that is used to demonstrate freedom. The sim it symbolizes freedom. A dove, white dove, is often used as symbolism for the concept of freedom. To me, the continuity that this dunya, life does not end here. There is continuity. That continuity is complex to explain. So the, this kind of imagery is simply symbolic. It is just to help certain people who would need it to get by. Otherwise, the Prophet himself said, nobody can even conceptualize what the afterlife is about. So, the Prophet said, Not a single human could ever conceptualize. If you can't even conceptualize, uh, if you can't even conceptualize something, how can you express it in words? So, to me, the afterlife, the imagery in the Quran is symbolic. You may say, well, really? And, and, and then I will draw your attention to Allah describing himself in the Quran. And what is much greater than the afterlife is God himself. And God uses imagery. He uses symbolic imagery. Allahu nuru samawati Allah is the light of the heavens and the earth. This is symbolism. This isn't literal. So if Allah can be symbolic when referring to himself, what is heaven and hell? So that's, and you see, you, you may disagree with me and that's fine. It doesn't bother me that you disagree with me. There's been many people, I mean, if you look at great people in the past, Ibn Rushd, the Maliki legend, if you look at the great Sufi, uh, Ibn Arabi, and his writings, Many of it, and he's highly revered by the Sufis. He said many similar, he said this kind of, he said exactly this, that this is just all symbolic. And he said that even when God says he's going to punish people, it's just a, a lower sense of mercy. Like it's still, he's going to reward them. That's what he meant. And he said, adab comes from the word uduba, from sweetness. But 
my point of saying this is that, look, there are certain pro concepts which are problematic to many people. And I would accept that they are problematic. So if we were to say that uh, things like, um, let's, let's say you've done a crime and for that crime you must be burnt. There is an element of a punishment being commensurate. And many people will find this concept in, con in clash, uh, sorry, in, uh, in contrast. They will find it kind of clashing with the concept of compassion, the concept of mercy, the concept of... They will find it. Many people, most Muslims, just don't think about it that deeply. But if they did, they will struggle. Because it, to them, they will think, well, hmm, you know, it shouldn't really be like that. Uh, so this is why I've said, look, this is my reading of the Qur'an. I feel that this imagery was there and it was there really for the, for the people it was revealed to. And we are just an extension. So saying that the Qur'an is enticing men towards, let's say, shade. But if you lived in a cold part of the world, if you lived in Antarctica or the North, you know, Arctic, or Alaska, I mean, telling you that heaven's going to have shade is not really appealing to you. Or telling you that, look, heaven is going to uh, have rivers of milk. No, I mean, I don't think most men today in this part of the world find that appealing at all. In fact, I'm sure many people will find it quite the opposite. They don't want a river of honey. Like, I wouldn't want a river of honey. I wouldn't want a river of milk. But these kind of things were of appeal to when they were revealed. So it just used imagery that would resonate with the people. That's all. So, and you can disagree with that. That's fine. I'm not asking. And there's many people who will take this literally. There's others who will take it metaphorically and others who would take it symbolically. And I've got, look, detailed videos on YouTube where I discuss this. Um, you can watch that and that's fine. But I think, you know, what's what's shocking, what's interesting and amusing and also depressing for, uh, not as in depressing for me, but depressing to think about what other people are going through. People that there are, what these people are trying to, I mean, miserably, obviously, if they're failing, I mean, it doesn't work with me. But <laughs> but with the, amongst themselves, they are bullying people into beliefs. Like, let's bully this person because he believes something a bit different. Believes people, believes. Not even, you know, there's bullying of all kinds. There's bullying of, and bullies are always just evil, right? Miserable low lives. But there's bullying in, in institutions, bullying in schools, bullying in, uh, in workplaces, in, in all kinds of environment. There's bullying of that nature that exists everywhere. And this is to bully somebody so they, they can't even be free in their beliefs. <laughs> How miserable is that? That they won't even, they don't want people to be able to just believe for themselves. Like, no, no, we must control this person's belief structure. 
That is such a miserable existence to live like that. And wallahi, one of the things I'm so grateful for is that I've kind of, that Allah <laughs> gave me the circumstances to kind of leave this religious people bubble that I'm not really, I mean, I'm obviously what I say impacts them and they have to respond to me and things like, but my day to day life has nothing to do with like religious, that religious people bubble at all. <laughs> and I love it. Honestly, I'm so, it is one of, the, if I could give you guys advice, those of you that are religious, gradually build your, you know, expand this bubble and then burst it. And then just live your life. I mean, be true to your faith, but live it being true and genuine to yourself. Don't be in this, these religious, these bubbles of religious people are the some of the most judgmental places to be trapped in. Honestly, I'm, I'm and I'm being honest about this, that like I spoke last week about Sheikh Yasser Qadi, you know, today I, I bumped into somebody and we uh, at the hairdressers, <laughs> like you do, and we had this uh, brief chat about this and, and we spoke about certain things and we mentioned this thing about Sheikh Yasser Qadi. Now, Sheikh Yasser Qadi just saying a few things and getting so much slack. I can say anything. <laughs> I can do anything. I dress how I want. I do what I want. I believe what I want. What makes sense to me. I speak it. I teach it. I live it. And I don't care. And what these people have to say does not bother me. And yet in this way, with this attitude, Allah has granted me the, the love of so many people that they find solace in my words. That yet these people in these bubbles, they, they, they have to watch every word so carefully. Sheikh Yasser Qadi made a simple example of saying things like, oh, this, the Islamic world and the Islamic, you know, that kind of institutionalized ways like the Newtonian way. And today it's like the, you know, we're in Einstein's world and we need to kind of upgrade our way of thinking. And he got so much slack and he's probably going to have to justify what he said. And he's going to have to kind of like play gymnastics and explain because he's worried about the crowd. Forget that crap. Forget these people, man. You understand? Be true to who you are. Live this, this in, in this world. I tell you, it will be the greatest regret that you have. You know, those of you that uh, are familiar with Ustad uh, Osama Kanan, a great, you know, an amazing inspiration uh, from the States who unfortunately is is suffering with a terminal illness uh, ALS and going through which is a neuronal degenerative kind of um, um, illness now in his in, in current times it's impacted his his speech because it's, it's kind of causing everything to dilapidate may Allah you know grant him ease may Allah grant his family ease um, He's an amazing, he was an amazing person, did great work and is doing great work. Um, now, 
in in this time when his speech and these things have been impeded uh he's exploring so he's still on social media he's still kind of active in and people write things up for him and things like that and and he says that he's been exploring things like music and how it gives him solace and how it helps him and these kind of things and he's he said that you know one of his greatest kind of regrets if you like is the fact that for so long he deprived himself of being of of this just because of what others you know following what these sheikhs will say and what that molana will say and what this person will say and 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 he, you know that he, in a way like expressing in a way that i wish i'd never really just just lived real and true for myself that that that's what this life is people that's what allah has given you as a gift he's given you a mind use it leave it don't don't be trapped in these bubbles don't let people bully you into believing things that oh if you don't believe this list of things we will bully you they can't bully you who do they this is 2019 people you know we're not living in something like 1642 that this the, the audacity that people have and it is exactly that very nature that monstrous nature that monstrosity that has chased chased people from what I believe is this beautiful thing. It's chased people away from it. And people may say that I'm crazy and eccentric and I chat all kinds of things. Maybe I do. But I can tell you that by nothing from what I've said has a person ever left this thing. But many, many have come back to it and found solace in the faith by words that I have said. So surely they must carry some meaning, that there must be something in them, in this way of thinking. Yet these people, this kind of Talibanized, this kind of caveman culture of trying to, oh, we're going to force faith, this kind of policing people's ideas. This is the antithesis of what Islam came with. This, this deen was born free, people. Yet today they've locked it in chains. The Prophet ﷺ never taught people creed. If you cannot find a single hadith that mentions beyond a handful of things in what to believe in. Believe in God that they will, things will not end in this life, that there was revelation and that God is all powerful. This was it. For over 150 years, the Salaf of this Ummah, people, you know, from the Sahaba, from the Tabi'een, from the Atba'ul Tabi'een, to the likes of Imam Malik, the Don of Ahlul Madina, never taught people dogma. They never taught, they never wrote down what you're meant to believe. There was wisdom in that. Return to the way of the Salaf people. The age of the mullahs is over okay their reign has been lost people that the, what i would say is that look think for yourself that's what this theme came for if if i could give any kind of advice and just be don't allow this to just 
kind of permeate the Muslim scene because it will just really destroy the face of Islam. So that if I can give, you know, if you can take any message from what I'm saying, take that. Right. I would, right, following on from that, right, following on from, uh, so that's this, uh, this article that these people were saying with Abdullah Gondal. Oh, right, I think I just saw on here, it said that Abdullah Gondal was on, <laughs> it tuned in. <laughs> right, so people build bridges, talk to people, whether Muslim, non-Muslim, ex-Muslim, apostate, whatever, talk to them, okay. And it's great to talk, and when people have opposite ideas, I think we should have dialogue, okay. I've uh, I've asked as well because I know that Ustad um, um, Daniel Hakikatju has spoken in the past about apostasy. I've asked uh, Daniel Hakikatju for a dialogue on apostasy. Um, let's see if he accepts. If he does accept, I think it would be amazing. <laughs> it would be amazing. Uh, so that I think because we need to kind of discuss things. Okay. Cool. So moving on, right, from one controversy <laughs> to another, huh? from symbolism, from the words of Ghalib, that Hamko Jannat ki haqiqat maloom hai lekin, that we know the reality of Jannah lekin, Hamko Jannat ki haqiqat maloom hai lekin. Dil ke khush rakhne ko ghalib khayal achcha hai. He says, ghalib, but it is an idea that does bring some comfort to the heart. <laughs> oh, I love ghalib. I love these people, honestly. They, you know, if you could do away with the mullahs and bring the poets in, we would have an amazing ummah. Honestly, so I would advise people always learn more about these people, the poets, as opposed to, uh, I mean, have some link with obviously. The, uh, anyway, let's move on to the next controversy, one after the other. So, Sheikh Yaqubi Sahib, right? What is going on with Sheikh Yaqubi? Uh, right. So, first of all. There was a video somebody sent me. Sheikh Yaqubi was discussing some of my comments in a very heated and passionate uh, kind of response saying, this person, how dare he mock Imam Nawi and how dare he say these things about homosexuality and then how dare he, uh, you know, and he calls himself a mufti. <laughs> I, to be honest, okay. Should we, should we kind of speak honestly and freely? I was, I was kind of amazed that he would actually speak about me in a public gathering and, and partially flattered. Naughty, <laughs> naughty. You eminence. You eminently, eminently flattering me. This one not nice. So I'm causing confusion, you know, right? So I thought, okay, this is interesting because I wouldn't have 
thought that Sheikh Yaqubi would make a reference in a public place uh, to me saying that, you know, this guy calls himself a Mufti and he's from here, from the UK. And obviously, who else is there? Al Mufti. Either Utlik. You know, if you just use the word Mufti on its own, Fa'urida bihi. Khadimukum. Right, your Khadim Bandana cheese. Okay. Urida bihi. Abu Layth al Maliki. Right, so the. Uh, so th there's this whole homosexuality uh, thing and Imam Nawawi's comment and I'll, I'm gonna, I'm going to come to that but just speaking about Sheikh Yaqubi now <laughs> I have actually I don't have anything against Sheikh Yaqubi sorry his eminence <laughs> what is this eminence thing about by the way I mean royalty Kham khaki royalty you know what what's this royalty thing like <laughs> I mean, who calls himself the, his eminence? I know he's going to say, I don't call myself. But he doesn't stop it either. <laughs> stop, stop teasing me. <laughs> this one. Right. I don't call myself the most graceful. But if you guys call me, I don't mind either. You know, this one. Don't mind. Huh? Don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> so he calls he doesn't call okay but i he's definitely okay with it this is definitely rolling with it this his eminence royalty <laughs> look at the end of the day i think to be fair as far as birsabs go and sheikhs go i actually like uh sheikh muhammad yaqubi he's as far as they generally go he's from the more level-headed kind of uh, uh you know peers of tariqas these peers who lead a whole uh what is it leader <laughs> it is in essence a cult right but they lead a cult but he's definitely much more balanced he's much more and he is knowledgeable i, I mean i don't know exactly how knowledgeable because i've not I've never really watched anything with ilm like with actual where he of uh, the the one, two things I've seen, they're just like generic talks. They're just like, you know, just be good and be nice. So I don't, I've never seen him discuss a, like a deep issue. Um, I mean, maybe he hasn't put those videos up on uh, online, but if he does, that would be awesome. We'd get to see that side of it. But I would believe that he definitely comes from a family of scholars and he, he's not just like one of these Peter Saabs that is just like, you know, doesn't know anything and just just got handed a silver spoon he's not like that in fact many years ago our paths cro crossed over two decades ago in damascus at that time sheikh yaqubi saab was um he was he, he was nothing special really and had no real importance in that sense to him i mean i know his father was really esteemed in in syria at that time but in the late 90s i met him was it the late 90s or early 2000s but it was about two decades ago i met him uh in damascus just briefly and just shook hands nothing that he would remember of course it's you know the problem with me is that <laughs> it's not when you first meet me it's our second meeting 
If our paths cross again, then be sure to note that they will, this time they will not go unnoticed. <laughs> but the first time, I don't expect him to remember me, but he was not somebody of great prominence in Damascus at that time. He was known, as in like you know of him, but there weren't people around him. He never had that kind of entourage. He never had that, you know, sheikh, sheikh. Sheikh, Sayyidi, everything, none of that business. He was just like a normal guy just walking. I think he was teaching at one of the institutes and he would just come out, just normal. You know, you could just go up to him. People did, they did know who he was, that he was this Sheikh and he's still a Sheikh in all of, all of what he is today. But he just was like a regular, like an academic like that, but respected, revered. I'm not saying people disrespected him, but he never had this cult uh, at all, not even remotely at that stage. But unbeknownst to him, the future was to unfold many things. <laughs> Amongst them, great power, Allah. So, over the years, he's obviously, Sheikh Yaqubi has come to the UK, but this is nothing new. Sheikh Yaqubi had been coming to the UK for many years, never gained any serious prominence. Um, he used to come down south and people would take him on tour, tours and things like this. But it, I think it was around maybe the late 2000s. Maybe it was around 2010 or, or maybe a bit before that, maybe like 2008 or something. I, I don't know exactly, but it was around the late 2000s that uh, there was some politics went on and he, the people that used to involve themselves with Sheikh Yaqubi kind of ditched him. And they boycotted him. And I think they claimed there was some scandal or something, but I don't know. Usually, <laughs> scandals are always to do with women, usually. <laughs> but I, I don't, whatever the situation was, but I suppose that's buried. That's buried. <laughs> then why, why did I mention it? Now they're going to hate me for saying it. Relax, I'm sure he's, he's answered it. I'm sure he's answered it. But there was whatever, so they left him. Sheikh Yaqubi was then kind of fostered by people up north. Now, in the north within the UK, we have Midlands and North. We have a very strong Brilvi community. Now, what Sheikh Yaqubi was to discover was that there was a great potential hidden within the Desi community that he hadn't realized the kind of level of devotion borderline hero worship that goes on within the Desi community. I don't think he was truly exposed to that because the people he was exposed to in Damascus were kind of like students that were going over from America and from, and they weren't that kind of, they weren't the kind of hero worship kind of, they were maybe one or two, but not so many. Now, he then embarked on this thing and you can see this transformation. So he comes to Birmingham and he comes to Kamkolvia and you'll see one of his great initial speeches of Sheikh Yaqubi was one where he actually praised Maulana Ashraf Ali Tanwi, the great Diobandi scholar in a Brilvi mosque. A mistake that Sheikh Yaqubi was swiftly to learn that is never to be repeated. <laughs> so Sheikh Yaqubi soon uh, acclimatized to the kind of Desi politics of the Diobandis and Brilvis and quite swiftly in time would distance himself 
completely from the Diobandi kind of heritage of the subcontinent. Uh, not entirely, but he would kind of go a bit quiet on it because he realized that, okay, the market lies with the Brilvis. The Brilvis really absorbed Sheikh Yaqubi. I mean, he could not, uh, Sheikh Yaqubi could not give them enough. They completely consumed anything that he had to offer and wanted more. So Sheikh Yaqubi really found, you know, like they say in Arabic, like Wajidatahu, you know, he found what he was looking for. This this was it. Uh, I mean, he rose to great prominence on the back of the Desi community within the Midlands and the north of England, because they took it to another level. I mean, we're talking about unfathomable doors unlocking, doors of wealth, prosperity, money, power dynamism i mean it's it's amazing people with great you know people that run corporations and things like this they will back you as a bisab so his shift kind of really warmed to this you see this and and then he kind of comfortably settled as this tariqa i run this tariqa you're all my kind of murids and really took this by its reins and that is the making of what you have now as uh, Sheikh Muhammad, His Eminence, <laughs> Ali Yaqubi Sahib. And as far as Bir Saab's goal, I don't actually mind him. I think he's actually definitely uh, better and a good version of the Bir Saabs because they can be highly exploitative. Highly exploitative Bir Saabs can be. And they usually are. They're usually very abusive, usually all about power, money, things like this. But, I mean, definitely he is a... He's from the better kind of, if you are to join, you see, to me, all of these practices are cults. But if you are to join a cult, then I suppose his cult is definitely a better and less harmful cult to be in than other cults. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean it's scandal free. I mean, there was this huge, in the last two years, a huge scandal to do with the charity, SKT. Um, this charity, which allegedly, allegedly... <laughs> Masala, I don't know the reality, but apparently they were key devotees of Sheikh Yaqubi who gave him a position of prominence, which he then wished to take over the entire charity. And when they originally got rid of him, uh, eventually, sorry, got rid of him, uh, he sent messages around saying everybody's, to, all my murids are to boycott that charity. Um, I mean, him accusing them of mishandling funds but i think the charity commission did clear them but that's beyond the point maybe they whether they did mishandle funds is not unbelievable but since muslim charities are usually quite you know not always so scrupulous on these things but uh, once again you can see this wielding this power murids i want my murids to boycott this i bring this to the table this sense of power you know a Two decades ago, the Sheikh Yaqubi that I, uh, that I fleetingly shaked hands with in the streets of Damascus could never have envisaged that a day would come when he would make a threat to wield such power against a huge million pound, you know, million pound strong at least, or millions of pounds strong uh, charity or an, and an organization. But... So this is the, the making of 
of these sheikhs of tariqah. So that's uh, a bit of the kind of what we've got in front of us. Now, Sheikh Yaqubi, his his eminence, <laughs> he said about about me that I mocked Imam Nawi. Now, I did not mock Imam Nawi to start off with. Firstly, that, I mean, that, that's obviously, I don't know whether he watched my whole thing. I doubt he watched my whole thing, which in, in that case, he should not have passed judgment on it. Not, see, I caught you out. <laughs> Either you watched it, in which case, ah, are you teasing me, naughty, naughty, you watching my videos? And if you say you didn't watch it, then I'll say, ah, so you passed judgment on me without watching it. You naughty, naughty. <laughs> this one, checkmate. <laughs> check, check, checkmate. <laughs> so, so Sheikh Yaqubi, he, um, uh, he, 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 he kind of got really worked up. And you see, the truth is, truth be told, the cl I don't make a claim. I've read what Imam Nawi had written. I've got a lengthy discussion on YouTube, uh, which speaks about homosexuality and Islam, a diverse history, in which I mentioned that, look, people in the past, and, and it's a very nuanced co uh, conversation, monologue I'm having, a recording. You can watch it by all means. Do watch it. Do like, subscribe. Quick plug there. So, look, however... It, what I was simply doing was reading. So I've read what Imam Nawi said, and I said, look, you have to acknowledge that Imam Nawi is speaking as though it's a given. So in his day and age, he's assuming everybody has a bisexual nature to them because he's saying that, look, oh, because he writes in his book that everybody knows that young boys are far more, you know, prettier than many women. Mm -hmm. And... You know, now that's building on a a a a kind of given, a posited um, axiom, if you like, that everybody is bisexual in nature. Like, if I said that, so if I said, for example, imagine I said something like, "Look, anybody that is left alone with a million pounds would." would at least consider stealing it. Now, you see, when I make, and I, I would believe that, that I would say that because I would assume that most people, by and large, have the desires of temptation, to of greed. Most, we all have a sense of greed. Now, you could say, how controlled is your greed? But if I was to say any person left alone with a million pounds would have, would be tempted to steal it. Now, Imam Nawi is saying any person left alone with a young boy would be tempted to have sex with him or at least look at him sexually. Now, I would I, I would think, huh? What? No. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, so, what? <laughs> boy, that escalated quickly. <laughs> so, you see, now, if somebody, because Imam Nawi made that claim, and he's not the only person, many people before him made it, because in their day and age, they saw that as a kind of given. Now, they weren't 
homosexual in today's day and age sense, and I'm not saying Imam Nawi was homosexual, but I said he acknowledges a fundamental bisexuality that he feels is intrinsic in human nature and ubiquitous. Vah! <laughs> now just quote that back to me. <laughs> you see, but he does feel that he feels that this is these people are you know this is a given that, that duh, everybody would relate to what i'm saying so and there's nothing so shocking about that that these the medieval muslims and the medieval arabs and the medieval kind of times people had a what a kind of sense of um there was pederasty okay which is like what the greeks had with boys that they had these sexual and romantic romantic relationships with boys and they felt a sense of attraction to boys uh, and by boys they didn't mean they meant like boys in their mid late teens that's what they meant so socrates speaks about it plato aristotle these people would have all had relationships with boys uh, thrasymachus who's a contemporary of uh, so socrates says in his famous quote that uh, as a young boy, I seduced the men from their wives, and as a grown man, I seduced the wives from their men. Also, another eminent uh, philosopher of the past, Thrasymachus, was a, also a very intriguing philosopher who believed in might is right. But put that aside. Fast forward to what Imam Nawawi was simply articulating and expressing was the sentiment of his age. Um, yeah, so I wasn't mocking him when I'm saying that. I was saying what he was saying. Mocking, if you if you mean by mocking, I'm making this up. It's written in his book. And some Wahhabi from Saudi tried to refute me on it. by He made a live video that went on for an hour where he says, this Abu Layth guy is a deviant, Dajjal, how dare he say, say this, I'm going to read it out. And he reads it out and he, go, and he says, and they are prettier than uh, most women or many women. And he says, well, duh, that's because, he goes, I can answer that. That's because many women are ugly. Needless to say, this guy looked like a Neanderthal that had un that had gone long term, <laughs> that suffered from chronic depression <laughs> himself. That's what this Saudi Wahhabi looked like. But yet he had the audacity to say many women are ugly. <laughs> I thought, but see, so this is this is the thing. It's like he could have just said this Saudi Wahhabi could have just quite easily said, I'm not gay. He could have said, I'm not gay. It's just that there's, it's just that there's so many sexy boys around. <laughs> That's the, the equivalent of what's going on here. Right. So, so my, uh, and the other thing with his eminence, his eminence is uh, his eminence because his his Eminence, uh, Sheikh Yaqubi <laughs> Sahib, I just find that hilarious, His Eminence. Uh, he ha has released a new Bukhari, uh, sorry, a copy of Bukhari and I, and because he made an advertising claim that it's the most authentic copy on earth, 
So I picked up on that because I have a a thing. Me and Bukhari have a thing. You see, we. So uh, he, uh, Sheikh Yaqubi said my copy is based on the Sultania, but then every copy of Bukhari is, is based on the Sultania. So uh, I don't know. I think this has got back to him. So now he's apparently backtracked. <laughs> and now apparently Sheikh Yaqubi is saying, no, what I meant was that my copy is based on the Sultania, which is the most authentic copy. So basically every copy of Bukhari on earth is the most, oh, sorry, most the majority, the overwhelming majority copies, I don't mean some exceptional ones, the overwhelming majority copies of uh, Bukhari on earth are the most authentic copies. <laughs> That's the equivalent of me saying, this athlete is the best. And then when you say, but really, that guy outperformed him in this, and this guy outperformed him in this, and this guy outperformed him in this, I say, <laughs> no, no, my friend. <laughs> right number, wrong door, number next door. <laughs> what I mean, this athlete is the best. This athlete is human, and humans are best. <laughs> so this one, best price I give you. You know, this one, best price. <laughs> so the response was that this athlete, he human being, human being, best, best best so so because this is sultania all copy sultania sultania copy best <laughs> wow guru wow love you yeah <laughs> love you my my sheikh so this this is but obviously these kind of things uh go on why but this look this is really just business. I've got nothing against business. I'm I love business. <laughs> business. I love business. You know. <laughs> in in saving. What was it? Not Private Ryan. The other one with the uh, where is that sea? Where the Somali pirate? He says, "I am not. I am no Osama bin Laden. I am businessman." <laughs> so this. <laughs> This uh, Captain Philip, that's it. So I love business. I've got nothing against business. And I think, look, this is a business thing, and that's fine. And I feel that what Sheikh Yaqubi's journey, like many others and before him, it's gone from the word, which is the, the, the kind of message, to adding the flesh, which is the corpus, people. You see, now... Once you add the corpus, it is from there only a tiny step to corporation. <laughs> one tuka, four. As Anil Kapoor Saab said, one tuka, four. This is, so it, it doesn't take long and I'm not against that and that's all fine. May, may Allah give him more money, more money and more money. May Allah give everybody. Why, why not Sheikh Yaqubi? So that I've got nothing against. But I just feel that using, you know, like these kind of tactics is problematic. It's big problem, you know. No es bueno, you know, this one. Not nice, you know, this one. And I would love to have a discussion with Sheikh Yaqubi on Sahil Bukhari if he claims. I watched a clip of Sheikh Yaqubi saying it's impossible, impossible to doubt Sahil Bukhari. 
आई सो अच्छा कॉन्फिडेंस तो मानना पड़ेगा यार वॉट इज द पवित बर के तजल्ली क्या तूने हमको भी मूसा समझा है हम तूर नहीं जो जल जाए जब चाहे मुकाबला जाए दाउंट साइनाबल हम तूर नहीं जो जल जाए जब चाहे मुकाबला आ जाए दिनेवर यू वॉन्ट कम फेस टू फेस I would love to have a discussion because each this this claim that it's impossible to prove uh, to to have any doubt with Sahil Bukhari um I think this one this one big claim you know big claim not nice you know this one get it becomes a moy 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 complicado you know moy complicado so uh yep so if Sheikh Yaqubi does watch this and he would love to and if he's interested I'd love I'd be on it to have a it would be respectful it would be civil uh the propriety of his eminence would be maintained i would uh maintain the etiquettes so right so uh <laughs> and they can give me the list of uh, <laughs> but they can't tell me don't they dare tell me you're not allowed to i will be myself but i, I won't be it will be very civil very friendly but i know it would never happen शेख याकूबी कहा हम लोगों से बातें करते हैं यार शेख याकूबीट I should just make like a WhatsApp group and call my this is like these are like my exes from another universe. <laughs> Put them all in. You know, this is like in case I felt like left out that why didn't I get any bitter exes? So <laughs> so I get these guys who just get obsessed with me. <laughs> so people, let's come to one of our beloveds, our Dilbarjani Sheikh Asrar Rashid Sahib Allah 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 Ah ke tal Sheikh Asrar mi amor mi corazon how are you doing So Sheikh Asrar's video recently surfaced um uh, in which it's called refutation of Abu Layth in which in his usually position awkwardly positioned angle he's sitting there and he's refuting me saying that i can't believe this undergraduate of a darulum by the way i don't know what that means undergraduate of a darulum <laughs> but he doesn't use my name anymore tum mera naam kyu nahi lete you know first he would he would on everything non stop call me by my name he want to know the village i was from he want to know everything ab mera naam bhi nahi lete you know now he doesn't call me by my name yaar ye ye game kya khel rahe hain yaar mujhe tarpa tarpa ke maroge kya tarsa tarsa ke you know i'm like hi why doesn't he call my name <laughs> so sheikh asrar 
who now just refers to me in the third person. Hi, oh, hi, ye be dard zamana. Oh, let me do that. The Paki one. Sheikh Asrar is probably thinking if I say his name, Loka Aksan. Loka Aksan. This is the. So, so Sheikh Asrar has this video where he's refuting me and saying these are just schoolboy errors. Schoolboy errors, Frabri. Schoolboy errors. This so-called mufti is making schoolboy errors. Hey, brother, one must, uh, one does find it rather nauseating that the schoolboy errors persistently committed by this schoolboy, <laughs> undergraduate. So I, I watched it. I thought, yeah, maybe my beloved Sheikh Asrar, right? One thing I gotta give Sheikh Asrar though, he doesn't follow any kind of tariqah. Gotta give him that. You know, he's not, he's not an acolyte. He doesn't like, uh, he doesn't follow any kind of tariqah and things like that. Not a cult. I mean, he, ha he has a cult of his own, <laughs> arguably, but it, not a tariqah one. So I respect where respect is. So I thought, why, maybe my, my amor is about to bring me back to the path. Maybe he will guide me. Maybe he will show me the light. Perchance, this may happen. But no. <laughs> he just went on and on and on and didn't answer any of the questions. <laughs> I thought, yeah. I thought, why? Na, 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 na. Na, na, na. So after watching it, I thought, where's my phone? Where's my beloved Sheikh Asrar's number? Let me send this one a message, you know. I said, my beloved Sheikh, <laughs> I have watched your film, <laughs> your reputation. So I, I sent him a message. I said, Sheikh, very nice, respectful message. I even put a love heart in there. I did. I put a love heart. I said, stay blessed, love heart. I put, I said, look, Sheikh, I watched your clip and I said, how about a conversation on Sahil Bukhari? How about a dialogue? You and me. I said, look, I've made the claim that there are systemic issues with Sahil Bukhari. You've responded by saying these are easily, easily answerable. So how about we have a chat over some tea and Easily, since they're easily answerable, it shouldn't be a problem. A dialogue. What say you? So, lo and behold, after I send this message, this message no gets sent, you know. Can it be that I am blocked? <laughs> My beloved has blocked me. <laughs> Dilbar Jani. <laughs> Dilbar Dilbar. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was kind of like, oh my God. <laughs> I had to see this day when Sheikh Asrar, but then it appears, it transpires people that he's changed his number.
But then I got the message to him, Alhamdulillah, all safe and sound. You know, like in the good old days, they used to say, Chalo, real baro. <laughs> you know, you get a cassette, the, the old cassettes, and they used to record them. <laughs> the Pakistanis did. And they send them back to the village. <laughs> right, so I got, the, I got the message through to him. So his response is that this is an old clip from last year, and I've not done this recently. So, uh, you know, so you're barking up the wrong tree. I mean, he never said barking up the wrong tree. That's my word. I don't want, I don't want him to say, I, I, I never said that. I never, I did not say that. So he said that this is an old clip from last year. I said, that may be so, but my offer for you still stands. For you, still stands. So Sheikh Asrar said, I'll think about it in my own time. So people, that was the, uh, the, the end. That's where we, so we've been left on a cliffhanger. Unfortunately, he hasn't accepted. But it would be awesome to have a discussion with him, to have a discussion with uh, uh, Sheikh Yaqubi Saab, to have a discussion with any of these scholars on Sahil Bukhari. It will be civil <laughs> and thoroughly enjoyable. Allah, Allah. Allah, Allah. Yar, <laughs> confidence to hai. <laughs> Do I even know anything? <laughs> or have I just, am I just blagging this confidence? <laughs> My guru once told me, fake it till you make it. So I thought, okay. <laughs> this is all just, <laughs> all right, people. Anyway, guys, I think we've got to, I'm going to have to wrap this up. You guys have been awesome. You've really hacked it through. Um, so that's really, if anything, my message uh, that, look, people, it's always great to talk. Do not, under any circumstances, let people ever, ever bully you into believing something. Your mind, people, must always be free. Okay. The mind, to me, is the ruh. Okay. And the ruh comes to us. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi This comes to us from Allah. Wa nafakhna, Allah infused this into Adam. Wa nafakhna fihi min ruhina. Okay. So this people is something, if anything, you are to consider like so overwhelmingly amazing with a a, a line, a lining, a sacred lining, it is the mind, it is consciousness. And so never allow people to bully you into beliefs. Your beliefs should be upon your, your own choices. Okay. But and if you wish to follow, you know, if you wish to be an acolyte, follow a particular cult or whatever, then fine. But in all honesty, the problem with that is that, you see, these things, these people are human beings and they may rise and they may fall. Now, one of the things I mentioned earlier on that I'm so grateful you know, for Allah and for inspiring me to be able to express myself is just to be true. I can be like this. I don't claim to be holy. I don't, I don't even, I'm not even part of these holy religious bubbles. And I don't want to be. I just want to be with normal people. The good, the bad. 
اوکے میں فرشتوں کے صحبت کے لائق نہیں ہم سفر کو ہی چاہیے گناہ گار اکیلے ہی چلا تھا جانب منزل مگر لوگ ساتھ آتے گئے اور کار وہاں بنتا گیا دس از جسٹ اے جرنی آئی سیٹ آؤٹ آن مائی اون اینڈ اٹس پیپل دیر ہیو جوائنٹ الانگ دا وے دیو گیون ایکسٹینڈیڈ دے لو اینڈ سپورٹ سو پیپل ود دیٹ ریمبر می ان یور کائنڈ واز می اللہ فار ایور کیپ یو اسمائلنگ لافنگ اینڈ می ہی فل یور لائفس ود جوائے ہیو این اوسم ایوننگ ور ایور یو آر السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ تعالی و برکاتہ